And welcome, uh, as always, welcome to church. Welcome to uh, Impact Student Ministries here at Eubank. And uh, if you haven't seen our social media, we are kicking off a brand new series. And as you can see behind me, the name of the series is Will God Still Love Me If? Because all of us could finish that statement different at times. Because what I believe is that no matter who you are, no matter how long you've been in church, that at some point you will have a moment where you question if God still loves you. And listen, that does not make you a bad Christian. Okay, That does not make you a bad person. Because really and truly, there are multiple times where I have this question, that question, does God still love me? Can God still love me after I've done X, Y, Z? And typically after, there's a few moments where you might experience this thought. Maybe it's after you've done something wrong because you guys are all smart. No matter what your grades say, you're smart. So you know when you do the wrong thing. So maybe after you've done something wrong, you think, well, how could God still love me after I've done this? Or how could God still love me if I've done this? Or maybe you might have this thought when you're going through a tough time or you're going through a difficult season. Because typically what happens is that when we as people go through a tough season or a tough moment, there's a part of our brains that go to the uh, idea that, well, God's punishing me. God is, is, is punishing me for something. Or maybe in the moments that you feel alone. Because I don't care how extroverted you are. I don't care how many friends you have. But at some point, all those friends fade away. At some point, that desire to be around people will no longer be a thing. Because listen, I, I am very extroverted. Obviously, this is why I'm doing what I do, right? But there are times where I want to be away from people. And so there's moments where all the noise is gone and you might feel alone. And so in this series, we're going to see Jesus interact with different people who find themselves in pretty similar situations that we can find ourselves. And what we're going to hopefully see is that with these people, with these specific moments that we're going to drop in on, we're going to resonate with them a little bit. And tonight, where we're going to start is we're going to start with a moment between Jesus and a woman who's caught in adultery. We're going to see how Jesus interacts with this person who's been caught in adultery. And what we're going to see is that Jesus offers two things to her. And what I believe, and this is what I believe about the whole Bible, that when, when the Holy Spirit inspired the men to write this book, these, these collections of books, he had us in mind. He wasn't writing just to these people in this time. He was writing to us too. So the, the, the two things that Jesus offers this woman who's caught in adultery, who's caught in sin, he offers to us too. Because maybe your sin is not adultery. Because none of y'all are married, I don't think. Hopefully not. If you are, you've been keeping a secret for a very long time. So maybe, so maybe your sin isn't adultery. Maybe your sin is bending the truth a little bit. Or maybe your sin is gossiping about somebody. But whatever your sin is, you have sin. And so we're going to see how Jesus interacts. Because like I said, I believe that the way that he 
uh, interacted with this woman who's caught in sin, he does the same thing for us because Jesus does not change. Everyone else will change. Everything else will change. Culture will change, but Jesus never changes. So if that's true, I have to believe that the way he responded to people in sin then, he responds the same way now. So tonight we're going to be in John chapter 8, and I'm not going to have you all get Bibles tonight because we're just going to be in a, in a, a few verses. Um, and uh, ironically, the, the section of verses that are in the, the Bible that we're going to be in tonight uh, if y'all think like the normal text is small to read in those Bibles, <laughs> go look at these verses that we're going to be in tonight. So I'm not going to have you worry about Bibles because we're not going to, because we're only going to spend a, some time in a few verses. But before I get into that, before I get into John 8, I want to share with you Romans 8, verses 38 and 39. And here's what it says. It should be on the screen. Romans 8, 38 through 39. And this is for anyone that ever questions that ever doubts, does God still love me? Here it is, right? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what that tells me is that because of Jesus, and if you're here or you're listening and you have a relationship with Jesus, there is nothing that can separate you from his love. But here's what I want you to know. And, and, and if, if you grab a note sheet, write this down. We know this verse, but here's the issue. We don't live like we know this verse. We know that God's love will never be taken from us, but we don't live like that. And here's what I mean, is that when it comes to your past, when it comes to your mistakes, when it comes to your current troubles or your current sins, or whatever it may be, if you're being honest with yourself, you spend a lot of time stuck in that. You spend a lot of time stuck in that decision, stuck in what you should have done or could have done differently. And so we let our mistakes keep us stuck rather than letting those things bring us closer to Jesus. Because what I believe is that Jesus does not want you to be stuck. Jesus does not want you to live in your past. He doesn't want you to live in your past mistakes, your past regrets. I mean, we just sang a song about that, right? To bring all your failures, bring all your regrets. He wants all those things. He doesn't want you to be stuck. And so I want you to keep that in mind, that there is nothing that can separate you from God's love, but we have to start living like we believe that. So, Tonight we're going to be in John chapter 8. And if you want to go back and read this whole section of verses, I encourage you to do that. But we're going to be in John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11. But I'm not going to read all 11 verses. So before I focus on verse 10 and 11, let me give you a synopsis of what's going on. So in this moment, the religious leaders, they, they bring this woman to Jesus. And this woman... It's called an adultery. And they bring him to Jesus to test him. They say, hey, Jesus, this woman's been caught in adultery. And according to the law that was given through Moses, she should be stoned to death. But, but this is really cool. So one of the many things I, I, that I love about the Bible is that you can always find something really cool. So when I was getting this ready, 
when they were referring to the Mosaic law, when they were referring to the law that Moses gave them, they weren't all the way correct. Because if you go to Deuteronomy 22.22, which is where this law comes from, the law does say that a woman and a man caught in adultery should be put to death, but it doesn't say how. It just says they should be put to death. So the, the, the religious leaders were adding on stuff to try to trip Jesus up. Like, can you, can, can you just imagine that, that the people who were trying to trip Jesus up didn't know what they were talking about? To me, that's just funny. And, and maybe it's just me. But what these religious leaders were trying to do was to test Jesus, but that test wasn't to see how good he was. It wasn't to see the kind of person he was. The test was to see if they could trap him. And so when they bring this woman to Jesus and they say, hey, listen, she's been caught in adultery. And so according to the law, she should be stoned to death. Jesus responds to their question with his own question in verse seven. And so just real quick, it's right here on the screen. When they kept on questioning him, talking about Jesus, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. I love that because I can just picture this. You have this like giant crowd like rushing to Jesus like because they're like, okay, we, we got him now. We have this woman who's been caught in adultery. He, he's he's going to have to say that she has to be put to death. So they're all getting excited. They're like, we got him now. And then Jesus drops this, like he drops the mark on them, right? He's like, hey, listen, let the first one who hasn't sinned be the first one to throw the stone. And if you continue to read through the story, you see that one by that one by one, they all leave. You know why? Because they were all sinners. No one could stand there, pick up a stone, and say, "You know what? I've never sinned." So no, they couldn't do that. So I, I just love that. Like I, I, I just picture Jesus like dropping the mic, and I'm like, "Hey, listen. You want me to focus on this stand? Okay. If you want to, want to talk about it, be about it. Like if you want to throw the stone." Let the first one who hasn't sinned throw a stone. And what we know in Romans 3.23 is that we all have sinned. Like every single person, if you have breath in your lungs right now, which is all of you, you have sinned. You have made mistakes. You have missed the mark. And this woman is in the same place as that. She's missed the mark. So let's get into what Jesus offers this woman. Let's get into... What Jesus offers her, but also offers us. And the first thing is this, that the first thing that Jesus offers the woman is forgiveness. The first thing he offers her is forgiveness. Go or listen to verse 10 with me. And it should be on the screen, I think. Verse 10 of John 8 says this. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. So the first thing Jesus does, like he doesn't even, he doesn't, like it takes him a while to respond to the religious leaders. If you read the story, he doesn't respond to them right away. It takes him some time. And so what we see here is that Jesus is offering her forgiveness, right? Because he says, hey, so all these people that were trying to condemn you before, like, like, where are they? 
And again, I picture Jesus at times of, of, of being sarcastic because that's just an awesome Jesus. Um, but when he asked the woman, just like when he asked Adam and Eve, like, hey, where are you? Like, he wasn't asking that because he didn't know where they were. Like, he knew where they were. So I see Jesus asking this woman very sarcastically, woman, where are they? Like, he knew they weren't there. Like, he knew that they were gone. And you know why? Because he shifted the focus. Because these religious leaders, they were focusing on one sin. They were focusing on one person and one sin. But Jesus came in and said, hey, listen, it's not about just one sin. If you've sinned, you've sinned. There's no levels. There's no, uh, this is the worst sin. This is, there, there's nothing. So Jesus sarcastically, I think, asked, hey, where are they? He knew where they were. He knew that the moment that he said, hey, let, 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 let the first one who hasn't sinned throw the first stone, like he knew what he was asking. Like Jesus intentionally asked that question because he knew. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm, I'm excited about this message. Like, I, I'm sure y'all can tell. If I spit, I'm sorry. Just go tell and wipe it off. You'll be all right. So the first thing that Jesus offers is forgiveness. So let's go on to the second thing that Jesus offers. Because it doesn't just stop there. It, do, it doesn't just stop with forgiveness. So the second thing that Jesus offers the woman is restoration. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. The second thing Jesus offers her is restoration. And the rest of verse 11 says this. Go now and leave your life of sin. So when Jesus told her to go and to leave her life of sin, he was restoring her. Because in the very beginning of this moment, she was a sinner. She was someone that was looked down on. She was someone that had no value in society. She was someone that people would steer clear away from. But Jesus, in this moment, after he offers forgiveness, he goes on to offering restoration. And listen, the only way, the only way to be, to be restored to God is through Jesus. That's the only way. You can't bypass Jesus to get to God. It doesn't work like that. So if you want to be in good graces with God, you have to be in good graces with Jesus. And that looks like a relationship with him. And so Jesus offered to restore this woman's value, to live differently, and to leave a life of sin and spiritual slavery and pursue a life of spiritual freedom. Because see, his heart for you, his heart for this woman, his heart for every single person, regardless of how or if they get to him, get to Jesus, his heart is to have a relationship with every single person on this planet. That's his hope. That's his goal. That's, that's why he created you guys. Like we talked about last week, he wants you to be a part of that process. Like, you have an important role. You have an important job to do. Your job is to bring people to Jesus. And that is the best job you can have. So Jesus offered her forgiveness and then offered her restoration. 
if you've ever been through the restoration process, there's something so beautiful about that. When you go from having no value to having a lot of value, it is so good. So here's some things I want us to consider based off this moment, based off Jesus's interaction with this woman. And this is the part of the message that might get a little personal. Okay. And I don't apologize for that because what I know is that the gospel naturally is offensive to us because you have sin in your life. You are a sinner. So the gospel is going to be naturally offensive to you. So I'm not sorry. But here's the first thing I want you to consider. At times, we are both the woman and the religious leaders. At times, we can, we can be both people. And here's what I mean. Is that there's times, obviously, that we can be caught in sin. Even, even when you don't think you've been caught in sin, like God sees like, you can fool people, you can fool your parents, you can fool your friends, you can fool your teachers, but God sees. So, like, you're not fooling everybody when you're caught in sin. So, yes, we can be caught in sin, but we can also be like the religious leaders. And here's, and here's what I mean. We can be the person holding sin over somebody else's head. That's essentially what they were doing, right? They were essentially saying, hey, you know what? She messed up, so here you go. You try some sample. So, they were holding her sin over her head. Well, Aaron, you don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand how they hurt me. You don't understand what I had to go through. You don't understand the turmoil. You don't understand the hurt. You don't understand the loss that I went through. Yes, you are right. I don't know that. But I do know what the Bible teaches. And the Bible teaches to forgive everybody. Is it easy all the time? No. I can look back on my life and I can tell you moments of when I've held somebody's sin over their head. Because here's the problem with that. Is that if we hold somebody's sin over their head, how will they ever get to Jesus? Imagine what it would have been like if this story would have played out differently. Imagine what it would have been like if Jesus would have said, you know what? Yeah, she sinned. Okay, kill her. Imagine what would have happened if this person, this woman, wouldn't have been able to get to Jesus because they were holding her sin over her head. And so when we hold sin over somebody's head, we are keeping them away from Jesus. Because listen, you are never, ever, 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 ever going to find a perfect person. The only perfect person was Jesus. And he's already come and lived. And he's at the right hand of God right now. So everyone else, Everyone in this room right here, right now in this moment, guess what? You're going to make mistakes sometimes. You're going to drop the ball. You're going to mess things up so bad sometimes. And so when we hold someone's sin over their head, we become the problem for that person to get to the solution of their problem, which is Jesus. Because the only thing that will solve their issues, the only thing that will solve their problems, the only thing that will solve what they're going through is Jesus. That is it. And so realize that we can both sometimes be the woman who is caught in her sin, but also the ones holding the sin over her head or holding it over somebody's head. Here's the second thing I want you to consider. Do you... 
accept the offer of forgiveness and restoration. Because again, I believe that Jesus offers both to us every single time. No matter how much or how long you've been sinning, he will never stop offering you forgiveness. He will never stop offering you restoration. And so do you accept both? Most people would say that it's easier to accept forgiveness than it is to accept restoration. And here's why. Because if we accept restoration, we have to listen when God says, walk away from that. You notice how Jesus didn't tell the woman, hey, you're forgiven. Go on and keep doing what you were doing. He didn't say that, did he? He said, no, go now and leave your life of sin. So when we accept restoration, there's going to be times where we have to walk away from something we don't want to. Because, let's all be honest, sin is fun, right? Because if sin wasn't fun, we wouldn't be doing it, right? But the enemy is so crafty, Satan is so real and so crafty, he has made sin, he has made doing things that go against what God wants you to do, he's made it look appealing, he's made it look shiny, he's made it look like something that you want to do. So sin is fun. But when you walk away from that, when you walk away from that, when you take things out of the perspective that God created it for, that's when you should walk away. We talked about this before. Sex was created by God. Sex was created to be enjoyed by you and I. But here's the catch. It was meant to be enjoyed in the right context. And if you're doing anything sexual, okay, anything, I'm not, I'm not just talking about crossing the line, going all, no, anything sexual outside of marriage, you are sinning. Anything. I'm not standing up here and tell y'all what y'all do. I know it, okay? I was your age. I get it. So when we offer or when we accept restoration, we have to walk away. And here's the last thing I want you to consider tonight. What do you need to walk away from? Noah and I were here uh, today getting everything set up, and we were talking about this, and I said, listen, man, everybody's got stuff, right? Everybody's got stuff. Everybody's got something that they should walk away from at some point. There are people, there are circumstances, there are things, there are habits, there are actions, there are words, there are thoughts that you should walk away from at some point in your life. Now, we don't know, truly, we don't know if the woman listened to Jesus. We don't know that. We don't know if she truly left her life of sin, but... I can tell you stories of people in the Bible that we do know left their life of sin. And now they are one of the most, or some of the most talked about people in church. Like Matthew, you know, like the great apostle, like wrote the book of Matthew. You know what he did before? He was a tax collector. People hated him. When people saw him, they would run away from him. Like he took their money. Y'all know Paul, right? Paul. The greatest missionary 
wrote many books in the Bible. Y'all know what he did before he was a Christian? He killed Christians. So before he became a Christian, he was killing Christians. So what do you need to walk away from? And tonight, I'm going to invite the... Um, you all come back up, start getting ready, because we're going to sing another song. But while they're singing, I'm going to give you guys... Or I, I want the Holy Spirit to give you guys an opportunity tonight to walk away from whatever it is. Listen, I don't know your life. I don't know your complete story. I know parts because the awesome thing is I've gotten to walk alongside a lot of you guys. So I don't know your whole story, but I know you got stuff. I know you do. And so what's going to happen here in a moment? They're going to lead us in a song. You see over here, we have, we have the cross. And at, at, at the foot of that cross is a little garbage can. And next to that garbage can are note cards and pens. And what I, what I want to ask you to do, and listen, don't, don't do this just because I'm asking you. Do this if you are feeling led to this. I'm, I'm, I'm not into that business of doing things for numbers or show. I'm not about that. But if you are feeling led, if, if, if God is having a serious conversation with you, Whatever that thing is that you need to let go, whatever that thing is that you need to walk away from, write it on a card. Accept the forgiveness and walk away from it. If you come to church and you don't leave change, there's an issue with that. Listen, I'm not the best speaker. I'm not the most gifted, but you all have heard the gospel tonight. You have heard a message from Jesus. He wants you, he offers you forgiveness and he offers you restoration, but that means you have to walk away from some things.